Greetings and welcome to another episode of Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry and this is episode 21 of this fine podcast, or so I like to call it. Anyway, uh, I hope you think so as well. Anyway, so uh, we've got another episode uh, incoming, uh, all about this time, the desolation of Stockport. Now, this is formally uh, one of the biggest uh, events in the Great British Hobbit League's calendar. It used to be worth 100 points in the Great British Hobbit League and was uh, one of, one of, if not the sort of most... Uh, sought after uh, tournaments certainly last year because it was also the the system open the english system open for the uh, ardicon uh, world championships to get your english ticket into the masters uh, tournament of ardicon sadly um some of those things aren't true anymore including the uh, the largest and also the uh, the 100 points but it's still going to be a cracking tournament um we're going to have uh, around about 40 or so players and uh, and it's still going to be well worth uh, winning because you get a free ticket to Ardicon and uh, you get into the Masters tournament uh, at Ardicon. So that's what the episode's all going to be about. Going to be talking to James Clark, uh, also ch- uh, in charge of Ardicon as well, uh, later on in the podcast. And of course, we'll be doing riddles in the dark as well. And I have 800 points worth of goodness to share with you. So I think let's get cracking on that side of things. It's about time to uh, build an army, eh? Okay, so if you listen to the last episode, uh, episode 20, uh, check it out on uh, SoundCloud and all your usual sources, um, you'll have heard me and Edward Ball, uh, the mighty Ed Ball, um, playing um, playing with a doubles army on uh, day one of the Masters and uh, Commanders doubles tournament. Um, essentially, I've kind of stolen the army that we built together. Um, and I say built together, he definitely made it, uh, maximised it uh, to be the, uh, the sort of standard that uh, we hope uh, he hoped to have. So uh, it's 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 a good army. Um, I learned some tricks with Ed, um, and so I thought. And you know what? I also enjoyed playing um, with this army. Um, we did fairly well in the doubles as well, which was quite good. But more more than that. I like I like the way it, it works. It has some tricks. It has has some solid stuff. So uh, here is eight hundred points worth of Mordor, uh, pure Mordor. So starting off, we've got forty two models and nine bows. But the leading the uh, leading the charge is a witch king, uh, witch king on uh, on fell beast. Um, so uh, I also give him three points of might, eighteen will, three fate, the crown of Morgul, uh, and a Morgul blade. And, and the beast, so that's 225, so quite a lot of points uh, sunk into the Witch King. But at 800 points, I think having a big hitter like the Witch King with all that magic and all that sort of, um, I suppose, variety that he can uh, he can pretty much do anything you want him to, um, which I suppose I've talked about in the past about it being a little bit difficult to, to run these kinds of heroes because, after all, um, sometimes if you've got a Swiss Army knife, it's hard to quite know whether it's as good a knife as a, you know, a scalpel, and is it as good a, a can opener as an actual can opener? Well, probably not. But hey, we'll we'll see. If you can use them right, they're very very useful. So uh, to extend that metaphor even a little bit further, so with the Witch King, going to go with uh, Moran and Orcs. I'm going to go with nine Moran and Orcs with spear and shield, three Warg riders with shield and throwing spears, three orc trackers and three morgul stalkers. So um, 
last time we were constricted when I was playing the doubles um, because we had to have one uh, half it had to be very even split 400 to 400 so um, we, this time this is uh, 390 I think it's pretty much the same other than that but it's 390 points uh, for that first warband pretty much full warband so yeah in fact full indeed so 18 models in there uh, along with a witch king so you know uh, for Maelstrom we've got a big solid army there surrounding the witch king so he's not going to get caught out um, which is always good uh, second warband is going to be Gothmog with a wag and shield for 145 nine Moran orcs with spear and shield for 81 a Moranum with a banner and shield and spear for 34 uh, and then two Moran and orcs uh, just with shields uh, so that brings that warband to 276 uh, looking at 12 models in there so not a full warband for Gothmog who's a hero of valor but either way again similar sort of idea not not loads of um uh, not stuff not not sort of empty and uh, if he if he's caught unawares on a maelstrom mission he's, he's going to be okay hopefully then uh, we've got Cardush, the Firecaller, for 60. I loved the way Cardush ran, uh, worked in the previous previous time. Uh, so I just thought, well, I'm going to use that again. I like the combination of Cardush and the Witch King for sort of assassinations and, and threatening um, big heroes and, you know, just firing one fireball on three plus. So useful for taking people's will out, um, horses out, all that sort of stuff. So uh, really, really useful. Uh, Cardush, great. Uh, and to go with him are six trackers, uh, six orc trackers. Really enjoy using orc trackers, particularly for sacrificial uh, pawns to uh, to give uh, to give uh, Kardash some uh, will back. But also, they've, I found them very, very useful. Very useful. Um, well, I mean, we both did uh, just nine shots there with uh, in total now with with orc trackers. So you know you're hitting on four or five a turn. Um, you know, and you're getting a wound or two. So it's it's actually not it's not too bad, not too bad uh, most of the time. And particularly against horses and and priority targets, they can be really useful. So orc trackers, and because they're only five points each, an absolute bargain for sacrificial uh, uh, guys to take out, uh, get get some extra will for Cardish. Brilliant stuff. Rounding that all off is two warg riders with shield and spear, uh, throwing spears, and one morgul knight, which is has been upgraded slightly from the warg rider it was before. Um, I, I didn't really know why I wanted to do this. I just thought I'd like to have a morgul knight. It's uh, fight four. Um, it's it's pretty powerful. Um, yeah, I think it's 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 pretty pretty solid there. So so that's what uh, that's what the army ended up being. Um, it's. Except um, I have just forgotten that I, I, I've, I've had to swap out a Moran and Orc um, with Spear from uh, one of the warbands. I, I don't know which yet, um, because I've run out of uh, Moran and Orcs with Spears and Shields. So um, it, instead, I'm going to give that a Mordor Urukite with a Shield. So so a little bit lower defence, but higher fight value, so fight four. So a similar reason for the Morgan Knight, actually, to get just at least two fight fours in there. Um, ideas being for those uh, on the ends of the, the ranks... Um, to you know, one Morgul Knight on one end to sort of use its its power to and and fight value to hopefully hopefully cut off the ends and start wrapping around and and, and let the rest of the guys spill around the back. And the same with the Mordor or Akai. If I've got a fight for somewhere, um, then maybe I can crack through, crack round, and and get all those uh, get all this sort of. The, the the flanks the flanks sort of torn apart that's the idea so so in other words this army is running in exactly the same way as it was in the doubles 
going to use Kardash and Go- uh, the Witch King to uh, try and um, assassinate heroes, horses, and neutralise heroes once they've run out of will uh, with the Witch King, um, and then hopefully get some um, flappy action with some hurls down the line, all that sort of stuff. I, th- I feel like feel like I can get some really good value out of the Witch King. Um, he's he's pretty decent with with all the will flying around. He's He's a uh, he, he's a good hero killer and uh, Gothmog, of course, calling that time in the orc, which I need to remember to do um, as more regularly than I did last time. Anyway, um, he should be he should be a bit mighty. And and if it's always that great thing about Gothmog, if you're up against um, men, you just get so many bonuses, so many bonuses. And at 800 points, I suspect I'm going to face some Minas Tirith. I suspect uh, I'm going to face some Rohan. Um, and I like my odds against Minas Tirith and Rohan. You know, big heroes um, like your, your Boromirs and, and people like that. Um, just just the normal Moran and Orcs are chopping through their, their, their troops, which is crucial. The people like Witch King, Kardash can really threaten people like Boromir. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And of course, if I'm not facing up against some Rohan at some point during the weekend, I'll, I'll eat my left leg, um, whether it's Riders or, or the new Legion of, of Foot Rohan. Um, we shall see how it all pans out. So that's the idea. 800 points, 42 models, 9 bows, Gothmog, Witch King, Kardush, and a smattering of Moranans, Trackers, Wargs, uh, Morgul Stalkers, Moran and Orcs, uh, you know, all the stuff, all the exciting stuff. So uh, that's what we're going to do. Uh, in a minute's time, we're going to go and have a have a chat with uh, James Clark, the, uh, the runner of the event, uh, and also crack on with some games. But first, it's time for... Riddles of the Dark... Yes, it's Riddles in the Dark. It's time to delve into the world of of small, tiny bits of audio. And then hopefully, hopefully uh, you'll be able to tell me who speaks next and what they say uh, in the films, the Hobbit films and the Lord of the Rings films. So uh, here's what we had last week. This is the tiny clip I played you in the hope that you'd be able to work out who speaks next. Okay, okay, okay. So let's have a look through some of the emails. Uh, haven't looked at these yet, so let's have a gander. We've got Josh Devoy on the first email. Now, this is uh, this is interesting. Uh, we've got exactly what I hoped people would say. This one is quite difficult, says Josh. Uh, thanks very much. Glad to glad you think so. He says, "I'm pretty sure it's a golem screech." I think I think we all knew that, didn't we? But which one? I'm not sure. So, uh, and and then you go on to explain in detail why you've got the correct answer. You have got the correct answer. Well done, Josh. Uh, a big high five for you. Uh, now, on to Dakota Snyder from Across the Pond. Thank you very much. Uh, you say, is it Gollum being tortured? So he speaks the next word. Shire Baggins. Hmm, is it? Well, the fact that I've read it out means it's absolutely not. But uh, you've definitely got the right person, Dakota, so well done to that. Next, Andy Garner. Uh, first time trying. Is it the time we hear Gollum screaming, Baggage! Shire! He says, hope this is correct. Keep up the great content. Thank you very much, Andy, for the compliment. But no, sadly, it is not correct. Uh, but thanks for getting in touch. Uh, Andrew Bailey is also in touch. Long, long, long-time reader? Reader? I, I'm hoping you mean uh, listener or caller or whatever. Uh, first of all, huge congrats on the success of the podcast. I often enjoy listening to them during my many drives. Oh, well, uh, Andrew, I don't know about success. Um, I'm still doing it, so I suppose that's a success. Um, finally listening to a podcast whilst painting means I can actually play Riddles in the Dark. Well, I'm so very glad uh, that you say uh, that. Also, also, 
you've got it right. You've got the answer right. So, Andy, you, you're very confident. You say, P.S., it's a perfect score for Riddle so far for me, but then uh, you'd have to trust my own markings on that. Ooh, right, okay, okay, so you think you've got them all anyway, uh, even if you haven't got in touch. Well, I'll have to trust your own markings. I absolutely will, but next time. Send in the email like you did this time. Uh, finally, Dan Brockstone, who's been in touch. Hello, Harry. I thought you uh, that you had me this time, and you did, to be fair. But your wife, Steph, stepped up to the plate and knocked it for six. Dan, I think I think Steph deserves a, a, a massive high five and a pat on the back because she, like a couple of you, uh, a couple of the rest of you, got it right. She says she thinks it's Gollum, and the next line is "It burns! It burns!" absolutely right so uh, back to what Josh said earlier um, you were saying at first I thought it was him being tortured in Baradur but after the second hearing it sounds a little too high pitched I'm going to go with Gollum saying it burns us whilst he has the elvish rope tied around his neck so well done Josh you got it right um, let's see. yes so it's Josh got it right all of you got the correct person obviously um, but Deb, Dakota Andy uh, and uh, you didn't quite get the uh, oh, you didn't quite and Andrew Andy and Andrew uh, no Andrew got it right Andy didn't okay so let me go uh, either way uh, three of you got it right this week well done on the answer this is of course how it sounded in the movie itself <laughs> Yes, you can sort of hear the the echo of the the screech, um, and then it sort of fades into the the actual reality of the it burns us. So that's what I was hoping people were going to pick up on. Uh, not easy, not easy though. So I guess that means it's time for another riddle. Here's this week's entry. <laughs> ah! <gasps> it's a toughie as ever, but I'll give you another listen just just because I can. Go on. All right, then, if you think you know who speaks next and what they say, please do get in touch. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com is the email address to send it to. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can send it on on the Facebook page if you so wish. But definitely, entmootpodcast at gmail.com, and you will get it read out, and uh, it will be all delightful and so on. And, of course, you can fire any emails, uh, any questions about anything, really, to that uh, email. I'm always happy to, uh, uh, to respond. Um, and I might not, or they might not all go into the podcast if you want to ask about something completely different. Um, but also, great to uh, hear about uh, hear about your armies and uh, and what you think about my uh, my my sort of plans and my strategies and my uh, list building. So, uh, endmutepodcast at gmail dot com. Now, on to the tournament, the desolation of Stockport uh, of twenty twenty. Uh, let's head on an adventure, um, but we'll start this time, rather than going straight into the games, and have a chat with James Clark, the organiser of the tournament, and the organiser of Ardacon. Mr. Robo, where are you off to? Stop. I'm already late! Late for what? I'm going on an adventure! Day one, desolation of Stockport. The uh, the punters are starting to arrive in, and guess who's turned up? It's James Clark. Howdy. 
Howdy. Well, it's not unsurprising you've turned up. You're the uh, you're the organizer. So uh, joint organizer. Joint organizer. Yes, yes. Last time. Uh, so last year, um, when I had my very sore throat, uh, which was Entmoot two or three, I think. Um, I, I spoke to Jamie Giblin. Uh, this year, it's Jamie Giblin and James Clark. Uh, but I'm going to speak just to James Clark this uh, this episode. So James, first of all, take us back a few years to the the origins of Desolation of Stockport, because this is one of the earliest and more pivotal uh, sort of. Uh, events in the Middle Earth calendar, I suppose. Yeah, back from the dark days, the dark, quiet times. So we first ran this event back in April 2014, and it was the first event that we ran since starting the GBHL podcast together. So it was very exciting. It was an opportunity for us to meet all of the YouTube screen names and actually put names to faces. It was a very surreal experience as well, because it was the first time where we experienced people kind of feeling like they knew who we were without actually knowing who who they were at the time. Um, But it was incredible, and at the time, it was huge, because previous to that, you know, we were getting maybe between 8 and 12. You know, there was a couple of tournaments that started to creep up into the teens um, in the establishment of the Great British Hobbit League. Of course, the podcast was able to reach a greater number of people, which was great. Uh, And I think we got in the mid-30s, which at the time, we were like, that's huge, absolutely huge. Um, and we've just gone from strength to strength. Uh, originally, we used to run two of them a year. We'd do desolation and redesolation, uh, And now it's just the one, one time a year. So now a great opportunity for Giblin and I to, to catch up. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I saw um, some of the, the videos from way back when. You shared them just before <laughs> the thing. And uh, a, a, it's very amusing to see, uh, see sort of a, a more youthful-looking you. you. <laughs> but it's also, it's also nice to see there, there was the, the, the early beginnings of uh, Damien and Tom, the roving reporter Damien who went absolutely, round. Yeah. Uh, and, and also interviewing people who came, even in those early days, from um, as far away as uh, Holland or Netherlands or something, a, a chap called Jan who came over. So, so even that back then, you pulling people in from many different countries well again that was the strength of the, of the youtube platform really it was the fact that you know we we had people in that first event from uh, the netherlands we had people definitely from sweden from memory uh, i'm sure we had a couple of norwegians obviously the irish came over as well and at the time like that, that, that felt quite big for an independent event to be to be doing that um and it definitely felt like that was the kind of the, the small snowball that kind of got the juggernaut of everything else going really so no it was brilliant yeah, because that's that's now led led to Articon, of course, which you're you're fundamental in in, in arranging. Uh, yeah, in a way. I mean, I would credit. I mean, of course, Desolation of Stockport is, uh, is is the start of my journey, I suppose, as a, as a tournament organizer. And I wouldn't have been able to do Articon without the experience of running all the, the Desolation of Stockports uh, with Jamie over the years. Um, but at the same time, I think Articon was more born out of influence from from having the privilege to go to the Nova Open um, and seeing that. But, yeah, even in those early days, being able to get guys coming over from abroad because, again, they felt like they knew us. Um, and the podcast gave people an opportunity who maybe felt like they weren't getting to play games. They wanted to be involved in the game. So being able to listen to people talk about the game that they loved when they weren't necessarily being able to, to play against opponents regularly. Um, it kind of gave them an opportunity to stay in touch with the game and then Desolation of Stockport gave them an opportunity to actually play the people that they were, I guess, conversing with on YouTube. Absolutely. And uh, talking about Articon, though, uh, the, this, this event is, is one of the, the sort of the satellite tournaments for Articon, in particular for the Masters tournament. Yeah, so we wanted to really, you know, we being uh, the, the Royal We for, for Articon, really, um, we wanted to reward all of the, the 
the community leaders, I suppose, and th that are out there across the world who are doing a great job in making sure that SBG is being played in all corners of, of the world, and you know, not just in this country, but across Europe and America and New Zealand, Australia, everywhere else. Mm. And we wanted a way of saying thank you to all of those guys for, I guess, marshalling the troops to come over and make an international event truly an international event it wouldn't be an international event if it was just people from the UK so uh, one thing that we thought would be a really good way of championing that was to um, promote this idea of, of system opens where you took a, a flagship event that was already going on in their country and you kind of made that I guess what Desolation of Stockport was originally which was like you know th that is the that's the one that you've got to try and get to and in reward with a with a very rare tough to get you know lucrative in some ways uh, article ticket because mm. tough to get uh, and of course if you win one of these system opens Desolation of Stockport is the English system open uh, if you win one of these, you also get entered into the SBG International Masters Tournament, which is held at Ardicon, uh, which is, you know, the, the best players from around the world. That's the, the, the marketing for it. <laughs> yeah, the cream of the crop almost. Yeah, And, and to be fair, like, you know, uh, the, la the last year is show has showcased that in, because some of the players in the uh, the system open, uh, the Masters, have been absolutely incredible. It's frightening, isn't it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a frightening crop. I mean, I mean, what a field. If you, look, if you look at the players that are going to be taking part in that event, that's going to be really interesting to see. And, uh, you know, even if you can't make Ardacon, uh, there will be ways of you of you watching those games. So if you'd like to see the competitive side of strategy battle gaming, you want to see uh, top players with top lists taking on each other, then then that's definitely a tournament to be interested in. Um, the pinnacle, I think. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned the uh, GBHL podcast a couple of times, the Great British Hobbit League. This tournament's not in the Great British Hobbit League. Why is that? Ah, the journalist. <laughs> I, I honestly, don't, I don't know. Right, so, I don't know. So, of course, you know, we, 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 a huge part of, of uh, establishing the Great British Hobbit League, part of that committee, you know, admin on that Facebook group. I think it just gets to a point where, um, where you know, there's, you've only got so much time to be involved in various things. Um, so when the uh, direction of the committee started to change, you know, I'm no longer involved in that. Uh, we had full, we had every intention for Desolation of Stockport to be a Great British Hobbit League counting event, 100 point event this year. Um, there are various factors outside of our control, of course, with having element games we're quite limited on when we can book the events the dates because other things get booked up as well well in advance coordinating that with the great british hobbit league to get a date was was obviously tough because you have to effectively ask for permission from a small group of other tos um, when those dates can be and then we of course had the massive bomb dropped on us which was the gt happening the week before so it wasn't actually you know 100 certain this, that this event was actually going to go ahead at all when we're doing it but we thought we booked the date some people are looking forward to it and asking us about it we'll just press ahead um, and we'll see how it goes and as a result of that things like the pack and the like were, were quite late to the table and i just think some of the you know without being too controversial some of the 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 I guess hoops to jump through um, just it, it, it didn't work out basically so the league's just gotten a bit more complicated and the back end is it back in the day it might have been a bit more sort of free and easy is it a bit getting I guess it's growing is that is that is it getting a bit more complicated to work out how no, to put I'm, a peer I'm, I'm a huge believer and was part part of the, the group of people that believed you know that there should definitely be a standard if, you, if you've got a league there should be a league there should be league standards um I think you know, without wanting to cause too much controversy, these people are my friends, so mm. I'm not. I'm not. I'm certainly not having having a go or no, a no, dig no. at all. Um, but the, I also believe there should be a certain degree of trust. Um, you know, if you if if you're talking a few hours out from um, doing one thing the way that they want to do it and not 
I think that there should be a little bit of, yeah, that's fine, just next year do this. Um, and it wasn't really that, so I decided to, to just press on anyway. So a bit of leeway, yeah. Uh, uh, so do you think the, the, the GT uh, being so close to this and the uh, uh, and the fact that it's maybe not in the league, do you think that's affected the numbers? Because I know last year you had quite uh, about 100 or so people, yeah. now it's looking more like 60 or so? Uh, so actually this year I think we'll be below 50 this year. So so the lowest it's been for quite a while. I think a combination of things. I think you know announcing it quite late. I'm a big believer in being able to announce events quite early and I know that that's something which is less easy now um, because of the process you've got to go through um, and of course if you don't you, you you run the risk of getting bombed by things outside of your control such as the, the GT um, so yeah I think it's a combination of things I think if we'd been able to launch our, our pack earlier um, and push it and sell tickets from an early early place I think that we would have been absolutely fine um, but yeah the combination of the GT tickets going on sale beforehand it being a week later not being able to get alternate dates and, and all the faffing about with that it does mean it's a lower number but it's still a, a great field and it's still a you know a 50 man event so it's, it's brilliant next well, year we've got big plans next year oh, well I'm looking forward to it yeah I mean it's still a, a huge event even by the, the scale of the calendar so uh, James it's a pleasure to talk to you as ever I'm looking forward to uh, a six day, six, gay, uh, day, yeah. s- a six game day now because of the, the match play guide which has come absolutely. out again not so not so long ago absolutely. which might have thrown a spanner in the works absolutely yeah I'm always getting Spanish chatting. <laughs> you've got, but this is the thing: you've got to be able to be flexible and roll with the punches. And sometimes, if you're being constrained to certain things, it, it makes that a little bit harder to be as flexible as you need to be. Um, but yeah, we've reduced it from seven games to six games. We've got less than 64 players, so you're going to have, a, you should have a clear winner, as long as there's not tons of draws after after six games. Um, you know, so we're hopeful of that. And of course, if it's 800 points, uh, which again we agreed to last minute uh, to help some people practice for for. Um, for the uh, ETC that's right Um, so we agreed to do that and of course now with the match play guide that's a 2 hour 15 round so so yeah we're going to do 3 games today 3 games tomorrow well I'm looking forward to it either way James thanks for talking to me absolute pleasure thank you Uh, alright so game 1 hold ground Um, I've got the Witch King and I'm playing against Josh and Josh you've got sort of trolls and forge world um, captains uh, Zagdush and uh, the other ones I can't quite remember all the names Goroth and people Um, why did you yeah Goroth and Zagdush why why did you um, go with this combination of Mordor stuff rather than one of the legions for example Um, well I I want to use uh, Goroth and Zagdush the uh, the new forge world orcs um and I want to use trolls, so I went just with a, um, the ministerial thing when the when the, the trolls burst through the gates. Gron breaks down the gates. Yeah, it's it's a lovely theme, and I, I love what you've done with the models because um, the bases are kind of the trolls are all based on pure brick, um, but the rest of the orcs are kind of on half grit, half pelinor to kind of give that sense yeah, of the, they're coming in. Yeah, yeah, the the orcs are they're on a generation shift bases, um, but the the trolls are on uh, bases that are made out of milliputs. Yeah. Well, it's a really cool, cool-looking army. And um, hold ground, of course, is a weird one because we're all deploying a, in a, a weird circle in the maelstrom of battle. And um, how did you find that first of all? Because uh, you, you suffered a bit of a disadvantage in the sense that a couple of your um, warbands were quite late to the party. Yeah, my Zagdosh and his orcs, they, they came on the wrong side of the map, so you were able to hold them off with your uh, war riders. Um, and then Goroth was quite late as well. So Zagdus came on one side. Um, Goroth was on the complete opposite side about two turns later, was it? He, I think he came on, was it turn two? Yeah. Yeah, it was turn two. Yeah, so so either way, there was... There, the I was able to get my trolls into the centre between the three tents and 
cl- hold your guys off for a while. But. Yeah, it, it lasted quite a long time. And but I think what helped me massively was the the um, the deployment of the uh, the, the Zagdush warband meant that I could pounce on him uh, quickly with the Witch King and some of the Wild Riders, um, and then almost kind of destroy them and, and mean that I've got the balance of, uh, of numbers uh, when, it, when we all collided in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, that, that seemed, seemed like... Uh, so how did you, you feel the sort of game panned out in terms of, you know, movements and, and who had the sort of dictating priority and things like that? Um, I felt like you had... I had priority early on. I was able to um, kill quite a lot of your warg riders early on. Mm. With, so it's like, Zagdush bought through when he was started to rampage behind the lines, but then you blew him up with uh, Kardush. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what Kardush does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's quite nasty. But there, there was a move there when um, early on I, I charged um, with the Witch King into the thing, and I was debating doing a hurl um, with the Witch King, which would have knocked most of my wild riders off. Uh, or oh, well, I think four four out of the uh, six plus the Morgul Knight. So, um, do you think that was the right move? Because it ended up not really working out for me. The knocking those guys down. I think I ended up killing more of you, my guys than yours. Um. Yeah, possibly. Well, I was able to kill them um, few of your wild riders, wasn't I? Mm. So, yeah, maybe I mean, it was six and two threes. So you, I think you were trying to just hold me off for a while, weren't you? So it it, it worked even if you lost casualties to it. Yeah, I think that's the idea. I wanted to slow the guys down, knock, knock a few people down, and hopefully gain some traps and things like that. But but actually, what I think the the best, the most successful move was moving the uh, I had a, the Morgul stalkers all stalked around one side and were slowly chopping through a, a sort of a back rank of uh, of, of Moranans that you'd left there to yeah. to, pr- pr- to to prevent me looping around. But they yeah, sort of slowly cracked through. You did a good job of holding off the troll for a while as well because the, the troll got bogged down and he couldn't do very much. Yeah, yeah, Morgul Stalkers uh, are pretty pretty handy against trolls. There was that first crucial combat where you charged the two Morgul Stalkers with a support. So I had five dice against your three. And we worked out that I think the maths is somewhere around about half and half. So it was just unlucky that that dice roll went your way because other- uh, it didn't go your way because otherwise I'd have lost two Morgul Stalkers with, with no issue at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a tricky one to, to handle. And um, uh, finally, as it came to the sort of late game, I think the, the Witch King really came into his own, transfixing the few heroes that were left, and Zagdus uh, was firing out um, fire blasts and things like that. And, Cardiff. Yeah, Cardiff, sorry. Uh, and all of the names are so similar. Um, and so how do, you, how do you feel that it went towards the end? Because you, you broke um, the penultimate well, I once, turn. Once I lost my chief, and that was it. And yeah. then you just start flooding through. And I'd, I had a second troll to try and hold them off, but... You kept uh, transfixing him, so yeah, and, and actually it was very lucky in the last turn that uh, I had priority, so I could pick off Goroth um, and then just let your your guys all run away because yeah, by then you only had I him as a trying, hero. I, at that point, I was just trying to play for the objective, try to plug the gap with the trolls, hold them off, but you're able to kill the chieftain and and uh, flood through. Yeah, so. yeah, and and your line really crumpled in that last turn. I think out of about eight. Um, Eight courage tests. You only passed one or two, which is uh, pretty rough. But either way, Richard, it was a, it was a, a really tough game, but um, really interesting one. I hope you enjoyed it too. Yeah, cheers. It was a good game. Thank, Thank you. you. Game two of the Desolation of Stockport, playing against Jace, and uh, this is a game of retrieval. We're deploying diagonally. There's a sort of middle uh, bit of uh, a DMZ demilitarized zone in the middle, and then we deploy on the other side with an aim to try and get one relic on each side of the board. Uh, it's on page. 25 of the new book if, if you're interested and want to have a look at the map um, playing Jace, first of all Jace, um, what was your army, uh, just give us an idea of the overview and uh, what did you think of the matchup first of all? Okay so basically I uh, have Minas Tirith led by King Elisar, Hurin and Ingold and I've just got um, Fountain Court, Kings, uh, Fountain Court Citadel Guard 
and just a load of warriors with knights, basically. Yeah, you've got something like 43, 44 models in it? Yeah, 44 models. It's quite a lot. Um, fight four everywhere, defense seven when they're all in shield wall. Um, it's quite a match up there. Yeah, and, and of course you, you've got uh, those big heroes, big killy heroes, you, uh, Huron and Aragorn. Um, I think it's fair to say you made a bit of a mistake in the first turn, though. Uh, you won priority and you went straight for it, Aragorn and Huron on their own into the, the, the line. Um, I, I guess you were hoping, right, crack through, get started on killing stuff because your guys aren't going to kill my guys as very easily once you've established the... You know, they, they, once you've got a kill lead, then hopefully you'll carry on winning. But yeah, it kind of didn't work out like that. No, I um, uh, I foolishly sent it too far up. I After, obviously, my last game, I was rolling so many sixes. I was like, you know, I got confident, overconfidence. Mm. led to two heroes going down the first two turns. Um, the flame burst, making me use them more will. Uh, I shouldn't have done that, actually. Because mm. I, I, I thought it dismounts me automatically. But it just does a wound. Yeah, so I, I sent in Cardus. Uh, I did a, a two, one or two will on a flame burst on Aragorn's horse. You spent two will to resist, yeah. I think. Um, and yeah, it, it causes a strength six hit on the horse and on the man. But either way, it's, it's, it's could could easily kill a horse, but yeah. equally, maybe not as deadly as you thought it was. No, I thought I literally thought it just dismounts me automatically as well as done doing a wound. Mm. So I tried to resist it. Spent the two will, which I probably would have needed a little bit later on as. As, As we found, we out. found out from that. <laughs> yeah, because after the, f- the first turn, Huron charges in. Uh, I think you charged into Gothmog. Yeah. Um, and then I wrapped round with most of uh, all of the stuff I could fit in, basically. Uh, do- dozens and dozens of, uh, of guys. Um, I, d- I didn't bother striking. We were both the same fight value. You didn't strike either because you knew I was going to get a free one anyway. Um, so your might was more valuable for ripping the dice, which is fair enough. Sadly, I think I don't know whether we both got sixes in the end or whether or whether it went down to a roll off. But I think, I think it went to a roll off. Might have done, yeah. That was just the end of it. And it was that the first was of many roll offs, to be fair, that went my way. Um, but yeah, I, I had the weight of numbers there, so I took Kieran off the board pretty quickly. Um, a mo- second turn mobilised um, Aragorn because um, he only had one point of will to resist by that point, and then slowly picked them off. And once I'd killed those two big heroes, it was kind of mine to lose. I think is yeah. that fair? Yeah, definitely. Um, to be fair, my Warriors put up a hell of a fight. Yeah, they really going, did. They really did hold the line. Ingold holding that right side, which was good. Um, but no, as soon as the Witch King came in, I think that was it. I couldn't hold anymore. Yeah, I think crucially, the, the having something that can fly over the lines meant that I could just go, right, okay, I'll take out the two fight four spear supports yeah. from um, from these two combats, kill them, and then a heroic combat the first time, took out, uh, or certainly took them off the combats whether I killed them or not in the end I don't know but um, it, then suddenly in the first first turn with just one point I might have ended up taking four of your fight fours even up the, the ranks uh, so I, I had more of a chance but you're right you, you, you absolutely had the um, had the, the win really it's almost uh, I, I thought I, I was worrying it for a long time because you had these t- two knights on either side looping around I was thinking you're going to get the relic and you keep stopping my guys from actually getting to the relic mm. in the end I got some very lucky shooting off yes, managed to kill two knights with four trackers and a, and a wild rider with a spear which is pretty good really and you got the you did get to the relic in the end but you didn't manage to move it far enough off no. I think eventually I probably would have uh, even if, if you'd moved forward perhaps I might have got the witch king, witch king into him earlier but either way um, you ended up moving the relic and I ended up moving the relic which gave us both three, but because I had the, I'd broken you and yeah, killed your leader, that that yeah. sets, uh, sort of set me up really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I did try and make a few last ditch efforts to like break you and that last ditch effort, the Fountain Cord, to kill the leader. Um, but I made the mistake of going for a combat that would have trapped the Witch King. 
doing that combat first and then the Witch King was able to move out. The, yeah, yeah, so he, he just just quite moved off. I think that there are a couple of other other things. I think you did a heroic combat with Ingold at one point and I think uh, you spent a bit too much might on that, I think, in the hope that you were going to get into the Witch King and then you kind of didn't, because yeah. you hadn't struck, you, you, it, was, it was probably wasn't worth charging. But yeah. I think maybe your, your management of might was, was where, where this, this game fell down for you because, yeah, you know, you're spending, you're spending might like there was, it was going out of fashion. And I don't that, usually, to be honest. No. I usually do conserve my might quite often. Like, I don't... Aragorn always uses heroic might, uh, his free might to just do a heroic combat. I never... I never blasted like that mm. um Hurin does it just only to strike most yeah. of the times um and Ingold's always my movement yeah I always use him to move but and I think time... I think that's what you probably sh- even though he had the opportunity to do some um heroic combats later on I think keeping him for the move would have meant you dictated the movement every single turn and although you won more priorities um yeah. in the second half of the I game did, than I did, I did. yeah but but you would have you'd have Taking the others because by that point, although I had Gothmog eventually move into the centre uh, where Ingold was, I'd have I'd have got some master battles. But you'd have been able to dictate the fight, maybe push, swing around a bit further over through the gaps. I'm surprised that you never moved any of your warriors through the the ruins and towards the relic to threaten my trackers that were shooting at everyone. But it just never seemed to happen. I wasn't really worried about the trackers because obviously they shoot. Well, most most Mordor, uh, like orcs to shoot five, so I was like. I'm not too worried. They're still going to need sixes to get, take the horses. I've got four of them running around. Mm. I'm not worried about it. So yeah. I was just like, I, to be fair, I want to break you more than anything. I, that's literally my last ditch effort. Yeah. was the leader and the breaking as well as getting the knights over. I think uh, that might have been a mistake because trackers are defence three. Yeah. They're crap at fighting. So they're, And also shooting stuff. So there's four squishy targets, four or five squishy targets hiding behind a building. I'm also sacrificing them for Kardush. So take them out. Get you get your four kills. You've also got some guys in the place to threaten the the relic. So that might have been a, a, a way to win. But either way, it, you you managed to pull off a, a getting the, the relic in the end, even though the the line collapsed. I think really it was down to that first yeah. first turn. Once without Aragorn and Hurin, yeah. it was it was definitely mine to lose. I think if I didn't drop Aragorn and Hurin so early into a combat, maybe like you said, maybe just moved it up the rank with it and then leave it like that yeah. but I was I'm, magic is my hate I hate magic so I yeah, get so I scared of it yeah and I neutralise them every turn I think you were panicking a bit about the, the amount of magic had and the flappy flappy yeah. uh, witch king that, that's going to be scary but either way Jason it was it was a well played game I, yeah, yeah definitely I, but um, yeah just down to those a couple of mistakes but well done good luck for the rest of the time yeah thank you man and cheers. you cheers so I'm going to briefly interrupt the flow of events because I have an announcement to make that's right two wins under my belt early on in the tournament. Could this be my time? Could this be the chance for Harry to prove his worth? We'll find out. But this is actually genuinely a first, and I thought at this point of the tournament, I was doing very, very well. Really proud of myself. Got a 12-0, and I got a, a second win. I can't remember the points now. I should probably have listened back to the audio you've just heard. But it leaves me on table two, basically in a shark tank with some of the best players in the in the whole area basically how do you think I managed to handle myself let's find out for table two at the desolation of Stockport game three uh, it's contest of champions against the indomitable Ed Ball good afternoon hello Harry how are you doing hello hello we return uh, with the army you designed for me uh, or partially in the previous podcast and um, contest of champions I was thinking oh I've got a witch king that's not bad that's a good start for a contest of champions right Oh, it's okay. You got a witch king on a fell beast uh, yeah. with a Morgul crown and lots of will and lots of fate and might. It's always a, it's always a good shout. 
But you've got, uh, just give us a rundown of the numbers you've got and what heroes, crucially. So I've only got 16 models. We are playing eight, uh, 800 points, so that's quite a few um, points and quite low numbers. However, I also do have Elrond, who is a Lord of the West and one of the you know sort of Eldar uh, elves in Middle-earth at the end of the Third Age. I've also got um, Galadriel, Lady of Light, who is one of the uh, Eldar elves in Middle-earth at the end of the Third Age. And I've also got Aragorn Strider, who is, you know, a uh, sort of exiled king of Gondor to, to reunite the, the realms of Arnor and, and Gondor. So that's also quite specific at the end of the Third Age. So you've got a lot of mites, you've got a lot of big heroes, and of course the rest is Rivendell knights with lances and bows. Well, of course it is. However, unfortunately, uh, 13 knights, only 12 of them have got shields. Of course, the one with the banner has a shield uh, for 800 points on the nose. Um, Contest Champions with Elrond versus the Witch King. With you having Kardash and Gothmog, it's interesting. Um, I think the terrain, the way the terrain's laid out on the table kind of favoured me. Um, with uh, me getting the pick of the board halves, unfortunately, the 60 mil base of the Witch King being the problem there. Yeah, because um, yeah, essentially there was a ruin that was very close to the centre line on the back. Uh, so you could push me right forward and I have to deploy with a ruin and then very little space to manoeuvre my guys. Uh, yeah, it effectively comes down to... Um, you have to win one of the earlier turn roll-offs or otherwise to sort of get away. Mm. Um, I won priority and you chose not to, but that was because you were able to sort of get a defensive ring around the Witch King so I couldn't tag him on the first turn. Uh, you did win one of the, the 50-50s, which was the heroic combat off um, at the start of the first combat phase. Uh, did the killing, so you got one, uh, and then chose to sort of flee away because Elrond uh, and Aragorn were looking quite angry and steaming through Moran and Orcs at you. Yeah, crucially, was the, the issue I, I was thinking was uh, Aragorn was the person who'd heroic combated and I couldn't really land anywhere that he wasn't likely to be able to catch me and he's got fight six, I'd combated so I thought, well, this is probably not a good thing to be chased down by an angry Aragorn with lots of might and stuff. Oh yeah, I think the, the sort of flee as it were and don't, don't come behind my lines it's absolutely the correct decision, but then it puts you in a difficult position for the rest of the game mm. because um, when it's a kill race between Elrond and the Witch King, Elrond's got access to Moran and Orc heads and, you know, Orc backs, as it were, whereas the Witch King's away from the sort of engagement. Yeah. Um, it's actually a shame that Gothmog didn't, uh, <laughs> didn't get it, wasn't my leader, because he got three kills in the end, because he got some free heroic strikes. Uh, he did, he did. He also didn't move in the entire game. No, just said, uh, come here, Rivendell Knights. Yeah, yeah, oh, no, die. Yeah. Okay, yeah, come here, another one. <laughs> but crucially, you tied him in place, which meant my might was stuck in place. I didn't get any charge, couldn't maneuver around, couldn't get stop Elrond at any point in the game. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's one of those, particularly with this kind of force, where you've got Elrond versus... Well, Elrond and a small number of elves versus strength for enemies. It's very much a case of, uh, as we ended up playing, you've got to go for the triple and then uh, quarter yourself. So the, the elves kind of became ablative armour holding your army in place, mm. while uh, Elrond, Aragorn and Galadriel, or mostly Elrond and Aragorn, did, did the killing up the middle. Um, yeah, it, which I, I realised far too late that, that you were trying to quarter yourself and I, I, I should have been shielding uh, with everything because I have shields on almost everything but um, I, I realised just too late but it was the, the, the banner-bearing, uh, lance-bearing knight charging in and uh, going two-handed with his knife I thought, uh, with his sword rather than you know, going with the lance yeah, I said, and I said, that's a minus two, Ed I went, yeah, that's fine and then you rolled a one and a two 
And then I rolled a four and wait, I have a banner. Oh no, I rolled a two, down to a one. You win on a two high, kill me please, thanks. And then I actually did. because yeah, you, you beautifully <laughs> did uh, and then realised... Um, so in, in what ended up being the final turn, I had four elves in combat, all of who needed to die to get me to 25%. Um, and because of my having priority that turn, I was able to orchestrate the the demise. I think, um, unfortunately, Harry, you didn't notice what I was doing soon enough. Yeah, I, I'd noticed in the combat phase, and by which point I'd called Time of the Orc. I'd surrounded every, uh, every every Rivendell knight that I could find with lots and lots of fight for people. Got a free heroic strike from Gothmog. Uh, you know, did it, did basically all the things that you would do if you really want to kill something and quarter Ed very quickly. Which which lined up with what we were both trying to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think uh, the, the the unfortunate. Um, yeah, it's, it's realised a little bit too late, and it was one of those where my having played the scenario with this kind of army quite um, a number of times now, it is very much a case of get triple, get double, because the scenario only awards two for breaking the enemy. Um, it's a, in fact, get more, yeah. um, so long as um, the leader doesn't get dead by the enemy leader, um, it then ends up being a 3-2 win. Yeah, um, and absolutely that, and it was a seven-three in the end, wasn't it? You uh, tripled me, and I did break. Oh no, seven-two. Sorry, I uh, I got the two points of breaking you, but that was little consolation in the end after Elrond stormed ahead with four kills, and I only had the one because I scarpered off. Maybe if I'd got Aragorn, there was a turn that you spent. Uh, you, I surrounded Aragorn, and the strikes uh, we evened off, and maybe I'd have killed him, and then maybe I'd have got some extra kills. But still, by then I'd have had to have killed at least two guys to catch up and I wouldn't have happened it just wouldn't have happened no it's, it's one of those where um, like Aragorn rolled poorly so I had to invest lots of might but it's never really a risk because I'm naturally the high fight value going to strike in response um, and I think um, sort of things so Gothmog has Master of Battle that's great however by you striking and copying Aragorn who's striking when the Witch King strikes um you actually, this is an error, I think, in this game, because you're not then heroic combating using real might, admittedly, but what it means is that Gothmog, for what ended up being like a four or five turn game, didn't move, mm. uh, which means you weren't able to sort of capitalise on your vast superior numbers. Um, and yeah, if I'd have got those, so rather than surrounding a Rivendell Knight with Gothmog and all the gang, I should have been surrounding a Galadriel or a, a, you know, a, an Elrond or an Aragorn. Yeah, which is obviously, there's a lot more points invested there and they're, they're a lot tougher to kill. Um, yeah, I, th I think it's one of those where um, you realised I was playing the scenario sort of perfectly too late and, and weren't able to stop it by that point. Um, I, I think got bloodlust. Yeah, yeah. I was, in, I was like, sort of hey, look, I'm beating Ed. I'm killing all his guys. Time of the orc. Beating Ed, beating Ed, beating Ed. Oh, wait, the scenario. Oh, I've lost. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so. It, it was good fun. It was <laughs> It was good fun. I really enjoyed it, Ed. And as ever, whenever I play against you or with you, I always learn something. And this one, it was a simple message. Play the goddamn scenario. Yeah, great fun. Thank you, Harry. Cheers. All right, game four, day number two, uh, table number five, which is a rarity for me. Uh, uh, dizzying heights, but the nosebleed ends here because I've, well, I've got another, another kind of nosebleed, <laughs> not from the altitude this time, but because of another loss. But playing against Sam, first of all, Sam, you've uh, got a beautiful army. What, what sort of army is it? And tell us a bit of the composition of your list. Okay, so it's, it's a Dunland force. Uh, it's a bit of a horde army, um, mass numbers, a lot of might. 
It's just super aggressive, really. Mm. No, not too many tricks, but no. But you've got you've got Thryder and you've got uh, Frida, the new one that uh, has the anti-cavalry bonus. You've got Gorolf, who's like a three-attack uh, beast, and you've got three Creebane. Yes, three Creebane that cause all kinds of sh- shenanigans. To be fair, yeah, they're actually. They're, I think they're the they're definitely the deadly weapon in this because the, the threat range on them is so good, and you can tag. Excuse me, tag things that perhaps you wouldn't uh, normally be able to do in this sort of army and, and, and have just that aerial thing. So we're playing um, Assassination. Uh, this, is an, uh, this is a new scenario from the Match Play Guide um, where essentially I have to choose an assassin uh, and a target for that assassin. And if I kill the target with the assassin, I get seven points. Yeah. If I kill the target, I get five points as long as it's not the, assa- if it's not the assassin. Um, First of all, who did you choose as your assassin and your target, chose, and why? I chose Goroff, because he's an absolute monster, mm. um, and chose to obviously target Kardash, because I knew he'd have to be pretty central to the army, and I'd probably be able to get on him and wound him easy. Mm. Um, and luckily, that paid off pretty quick. Yeah, it was it was a, basically a massive positioning error on my behalf. Um, where there were a couple of early, early sort of move-offs, so I managed to get some... Um, get some attacks into Frida I got a, a fire blast into Frida and did I do a I didn't do a um, I think I ended up do, a, a mobilizing her or black darting or something um, yeah. so I had to burn all three might on the first turn to avoid being wounded from the flame burst yeah and then I kind of knew that who your target was mm. but there wasn't a lot I could do when goth mod came charging no. in but I, of course, because I didn't want um, uh, at this stage, I, I didn't want to kill Frida straight out with the Witch King's Black Dart because I wanted uh, Cardish to do it. But I ended up sort of fanning around with the Witch King, spent far too long out of combat with the Witch King. But crucially, um, there were some moves, and there was sort of uh, three central tents and a sort of uh, a ball pit in the middle where everyone had a bit of a had a bit of a fight. But um, you moved your army around, Gorolf snuck around, and. I think I just made a bit of a, a, a mistake. I'd I, I misjudged the different distances, and uh, I certainly thought that you, you, your birds couldn't see, um, so I, I didn't think there was going to be a massive issue of, of you getting into things. But crucially, I didn't leave one guy yeah. in front of Cardiff. Cardiff was basically standing on his own, away from stuff, leaving you wide open to a heroic combat from, yeah. uh, from Gorolf and chop through my guys and land on Cardiff with uh, much ferocity, which, yes. which, of course, I knew straight away. I mean, you said it straight away. I, I got, yep, yeah, that was my assassin, that was my target. I've got seven points, so I'm thinking, crumbs. How do I, uh, how do I make it back from here? And and I tried. I really did try. How did you think the rest of the game panned out? It did. You, I think as the Witch King started to obviously come to combat in in the late game, you definitely could have broke me and pulled it back if the game would have continued. Mm. Having the five points from killing her, regardless, it could have could have definitely gone very close in the end well it did go close in the end yeah so. I think it was what 7-5 in the end 10-7 uh, uh, oh sorry 10-7 10-7 so, um, so you broke me uh, I didn't break you I killed your leader I killed um, uh, Thryden and the Witch King's fine so so basically I just needed to swing the the three that you won down to a one uh, and then it would have been a score draw or maybe even a win depending on the points I can't remember but either way it would have been very close and probably a draw if I'd have managed to capitalise on the the, uh, the break, but we rolled the rolled the dice and ended on a two uh, on the first turn, and it could, which is frustration. But to be fair, I, I would have had to do a lot of work yeah. with very few models. Um, Gothmog, 
two Moran and Orcs and a Trekker and Witch King. Um, and you've still got a good good chunk of that models left. I think looking at your dead pile, roughly... About 30 models remaining. Right? Yeah, 30 models remaining out of 50. So maybe, actually, uh, it's not as tough as I thought. Maybe maybe five or six more. I think Witch King and a Gothmog probably would have got... Uh, would have got. Oh, there's a Wild Rider and another Moran in there as well. So actually, looking at it, I think there's a good chance that I, I, I do break you in the next turn or so. You've got, I've got Hurl lined up easily. But anyway, that, that's, that's not the point. I rolled a two, ended the game, and to be fair, you deserved it because I made that stupid mistake early on. You capitalised on it, crushed down that, that one mistake, and from then it was, it was yours to lose, really. So, Sam, uh, cracking game, and with the success with Dunlin is, is awesome to see. And um, Those fight for spear supports are crucial. Really you churned happy. through my Moranans, absolutely churned through them. You're winning fights, you've got high strength, and then you've also got the, um, the equivalent of Time of the Orc. What yes. was it? Dunlin in Warcry. Um, yeah, this is the Legion bonus, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah. And it, it was brutal, wasn't it? it? It was, it was. You know, strength four against defence six is already, you know, not, not a bad thing. So you only got fives, but then it was down to fours with a plus one 12-inch radius from Thryden. So you're looking at a lot of dead Moranans. I think that turn I lost ten or so, if, if not more. Um, so from then, I, I just didn't have enough bodies to... Well, to, to prevent the break, yeah. to be fair, you, you got me uh, past the breaking in that turn. So from then on, it was, uh, it was pretty much just a loss. But... Um, other, other than that, that stupid mistake not putting a spear in front of Gorolf, was there anything that you think that I could have done differently that, that would have made it easier for me to win or harder for, for you to win? I think it, the key was that the Witch King, obviously, because we kept having heroic move-offs mm-hmm. and you had to stay within the bubble of keeping everyone within six inches, that really hindered him. Mm. If he could have gone wild on the fell beast, he would have chewed through this army. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Gothmog kind of got, got stuck in the front, um, which is fine because he was charging. He was getting Frida. He wanted to get Frida. Uh, needed to do that. Um, but then the, just the number of models because you were. You, we've got a very small area that we wanted to be doing the fighting in, uh, and you've got fifty models. So I couldn't really land anywhere. It was never, and like you say, because I was restricted by the thing, didn't really want to jump behind the enemy lines too much because. Yeah. Uh, for most of the time I had uh, you had a striking hero uh, pretty close by I was low on might so I thought right I, I don't don't really want to be landing him here get a thride into the face with his mighty blow and all yeah, that exactly. I, I don't I don't want to risk it and especially because I knew the only way I could win is keep the witch king safe until at least I kill Thryden so it was really really tough but either way Sam a cracking game 10-7 yeah, to you and you know Success with Dunland, you're going to be uh, you're going to be off to the dizzying heights of table twos and threes and stuff like that. It's going to be a dangerous place for me now. So yeah, so three, uh, yeah, so uh, game five, two more games to go. Uh, you got a you got a chance of a podium, I think, if you if you keep going this let's, way. Let's hope, let's hope. Do well, it for Dunland. Do it for Dunland. All right, thanks very much for the game, Sam. So game number five, uh, we're playing capture and control, playing against Tom Wag and Tom. First of all, um, could you just summarise your army list? It's the the Rohan Legion. So I've got. Thidden as a leader with a shield because you need that defense seven. I've got 12 Royal Guards, six of them are throwing spears. Then I've got Gambling with Banner, eight Rohan Warriors with shields, seven of them have throwing spears. Halaf, Eldor, Aragorn with armor, Legless with armor, and then eight Galafrin with elf bows. And this is the this is the Helm's Deep Legion as uh, as you probably worked out because uh, they're all on their foot, they all have spears, all that sort of stuff. So the, the, the board is set. I'll, I'll paint a picture. We've got the ru- uh, ruins in the middle. We've got the four, uh, the five objectives, three in the middle line, uh, one in each in our deployment zone. I deployed pretty hard up to the front, um, and I basically had three objectives sewn up from the start, um, and I had close to the fourth right at the start. But and so I thought, here was my plan. 
my plan was, if I charge you, die quickly, I'll cause, the bre- cause, the, cause myself to break, uh, and then hopefully, by that point, I'll have had enough, still have enough objectives to, to win it out. I think, as you correctly pointed out, Tom, that I probably shouldn't have sent Gothmog in as part of that charge. Well, you've essentially lost his three points of might. Yeah. I think he used one to strike, yeah. but he wouldn't have had to done that if he hadn't gone in. Yeah. But you also lost his Master of Battle, which is a pretty good counter to my list because yeah. of my regenerator might. Um, I, I don't know what you're thinking about charging Gothmog in. I, I wasn't thinking. I, <laughs> but I, I think it, it was just a stupid move because I knew exactly the... Uh, my, my idea was pretty sound, so, uh, generally. Uh, I, I thought because... You were quite far back, so if I hold you quite far back, yeah, and it was kind of ended up being a, a diagonal line across the battlefield because I ended up pushing a lot of my forces to the left hand side, which um, should have uh, should have been more successful than it was. But hey, I won't complain about that because I got I got about ten guys pushed up the, down a flank to try and take away the the final objective on the other side, having left three pretty safe and secure. Then I wanted to throw my trackers and everything else into the lines of fight five, fight four, strength three and all this sort of stuff to hopefully break myself really quickly. If Gothmog had stuck around I'd have had a bit of um, bit of a chance. I also feel like if my magic had worked I wanted to get Theoden and I got had three or four chances and and I, uh, I, I got cast twice, yeah. And Two black darts and one fireball. Yeah. and you probably should have wounded him. Yeah, I should have done at least one wound I think and that's all I needed because this scenario yeah. don't need to get the thing. So I was thinking if I get that one victory point the, the Witch King flaps away, and that was the hope. But instead, I ended up sort of hanging around trying to get that, that point, which I'd hoped to get a lot earlier, and then got tangled up in a whole mess. And the army crumpled, but slower than I'd hoped. Or, yeah, it, or I, I hoped to land, called Time of the Orc, which I did, kill some stuff, or kill a lot more stuff, and then maybe you wouldn't have, have enough to actually break through, uh, a, a sort of break through and actually kill me once I'd broken. But... It was a it, it was a failed strategy in, in the end, Tom. Well, I feel like you wanted me to engage you more on this side to lose more. Mm. Um, but then one royal guard held up the whole flank of about 12 guys. Yeah. And he just shielded, so nothing was dying over there, which meant it, it was slower for you to break. The Witch King having to use all three might and a fate point was probably a big key. Like, Aldor's lucky shot on him was like... Yeah, that's that's fair. You know, because yeah. if it wasn't Aldor, it would have been Legolas or someone else. Well, it was but Legolas and Aldor in one. Yeah, turn. in one turn they both scored a wound, and I got a fate on one, and then spent. I got a roll of a one on the second fate point, and I thought I've got to dump all my might because I can't. I can't do this on a fifty-fifty. I don't know whether it was the it right was, move, it but it was certainly sucked out all my might because you just still had the might for the last fate, so you couldn't fail your last fate. Yeah. But then you're flying around with no fate. Yeah, and I'm flying around with no fate with characters like Legolas and ha- Aldor who are going to keep doing exactly that and they're going to eventually get another shot. So I thought, well, yeah. And I can't exactly hide from Legolas either with his deadly shot. So no matter what, I'm going to get another shot in the face. So I thought, I've got to do it now. But equally, it, it did mean that I was I never got any more magic off after that because you had all the might everywhere with the mighty hero and the gambling's banner. So it felt like I was I was... I, put, I definitely put all of my eggs into one basket and if the magic had worked I'd have got the point for that which would have been fine and then I've en- I'd have ended up you know, at least having some points out of it but in the end it was a 12-0 loss yeah. I don't think it should have been 12-0 you should have definitely got one VP for wounding a leader and 
maybe two objectives probably deserve from I, I, yeah I, I, but hey look like yeah. you know you, you did a lot of the right you did exactly the right thing you yeah. pushed everyone forward yeah. you did heroic combats and all this to just just land a, a random elf on the objective I feel like I wanted that there's one at the back that I pushed that whole force through and I've still got loads more guys hanging around over that objective and um, certainly more than you but you had the might over there and I didn't so basically I, I've, I've still got lots of guys hanging I was, around I think I was out of might over there yeah. Aldor might have had a might point yeah. I think but but either way, it did, yeah, it did. It felt like uh, it felt like I might, I, I perhaps should have played it more defensively. I, because I, I, I had the three objectives; they're all mine, sewn up pretty much um, from the start. Because I had and a block of Moranans, and it was quite intimidating. Strong wall of Moranans, but I felt mm, maybe you're gonna you're gonna end up whittling me down with ten or so bows, and I wasn't sure. What, what do you think? How do you think I should have played it? It's just saving Gothmog, I think. Mate, I think when you charged you guys down there, that was fine. You got. You had to make me fight back for that objective, even though I'd have probably got it eventually, and you killed a couple of guys over there. Yeah, yeah that was the first move. I yeah. did a Warg and a Morgul Knight, which both killed two or, two or three in total, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. And they stayed, the, the Warg stayed around for ages, to be yeah. honest. Um, just, uh, just the Gothmog. I, well, your biggest note with Gothmog, even though he was going to die that turn, you did his combat first when you had used this special rule. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was stupid. I was thinking, oh, well, it's not really going to affect anything having called Time of the Orc. So I just uh, finally remembered to actually, uh, the whole of the tournament, I've pretty much forgotten to use this special rule. Finally, yeah, finally actually call it, and then I forget that I've called it, so I can't actually use it because I uh, let Gothmog drop before. And actually, in most of those combats, I, I won and would have got uh, if I'd have got a re-roll I, would have, I certainly would have capitalised on the re-rolls anyway so, so yeah I, I feel like uh, putting all the eggs into the, uh, into the charge was uh, stupid but then equally if I'd have just left Gothmog out of that charge left him back to call, uh, be a threatening character basically a warg against you know a striking hero against an all mounted all foot hero army is, uh, is, is not too bad yeah because you would have the combats were, most of the combats would have been a turn later mm. And your strategy would have still worked to try and break quickly. Mm. We just had one. You might have had to take a, f- a few more shots from elves, probably killing a Moranon, uh, which actually helps your strategy without losing Gothmog. Mm. And then all the combats would happen to turn later. And that, there's potentially I could be slightly further back and you'd have these three objectives. Yeah. Um, and then would be very close to the other two. So a lucky orc or a lucky elf could claim them. And yeah. Yeah, you're totally right, and and I I knew it as soon as Gothmog had got stuck in there and and died, and I thought, ah, oh, this this was such a stupid idea. Why did I do this? And I, th- I I I still do think the strategy was sound, and you know, falling on your sword is probably probably wiser in this scenario because I need to I need to end the game before you've pushed through my lines because I, I knew I had that advantage at the start. But other way, Tom, it was a, a great game um, yeah. as ever. It's always a, it's always a challenge playing you and uh, and always a, a good fun as well. So thanks for the game, Tom, and that propels you up to the top tables probably with a 12-0 win yeah I'm on three wins a draw and a loss so 12-0 wins pretty big at this point yeah so top four tables probably and then a win and then it's straight to the podium good luck Tom thanks very much for the game so final game Desolation of Stockport and uh, I'm playing against Jay though not Jay Clare the rules writer of course Uh, he's way way ahead of me but I am playing against another Jay Uh, Jay first of all um, what is your army and uh, just give us a bit of an idea of the composition and some of the units in it Um, so mainly for just forward fighting killing Um, so it's Khazad Doom obviously you've got the heroes like King's Champion Joran and Dwarf King just a killable army basically Um, Mm. 
and the ballista there for range as well so if you've got something that starts far away you can ping them off before they get there but don't want to stay there <laughs> yeah no not quite you've got like you say you've got the combat monsters you've got the half guard you've got a few vault wardens and things like that but we're playing recon which first of all the first thing that went wrong for you let's face it was that you you didn't do roll, roll very well to get any of your guys on the board it took two turns at least yeah, for some of them and, and one of them you had to spend a bit of might on yeah. so I mean that dwarves are already uh, going to struggle in this scenario because you just got to spend a few more turns walking than everyone else yeah. how, how did you feel it went after that though well I mean I, I took a lot of your guys out like um, but when you have you know magic and I've got no will it's just going to cause like you know occurrence but uh, so I guess like towards the end, if I got you to 25%, like as I was close to, it would have been, you know, just you just got one guy off mm-hmm. and I would have got the free as well for breaking you and not being broken. And then it would have been a draw. It would have been a draw. Um, but it, it didn't quite happen. I think I was, I was like you say, the magic was really very uh, useful. I, I King's Champion only got one time actually fighting and I, a well-timed immobilize on Durin meant that he was just just had one move behind basically so it was always too slow to catch up with everyone because uh, I, I think perhaps if you try to resist that one then you'd have uh, you know you might have been able to move forward for more and get him involved but yeah, I thought there was a lot more magic coming basically so if that, obviously I don't want to spend all my will so I thought I'll use one and then obviously I failed it but yeah. Just looking for the luck of the six, I saw. So. Yeah, that, that was fair enough. I, I think, yeah, that, that, that was spending one will was, was reasonable, but um, it was kind of unlucky in a sense because it just gave me the choice of going, you know what, I can just avoid him. I just moved everything away. You're, you, Durin moved up on the left flank. Um, I'd sort of deployed some cavalry nearby and harassed you a little bit, but then quickly moved, moved across, kind of denied you that, that flank there. And then in the middle... Once the Witch King was in, he was just compelling, uh, sorry, uh, casting a mobilize on the King's Champion every turn. Best thing for you is that you had your heroes in the middle with all your troops. Yeah. If you didn't have those heroes, you would have felt a lot of courage. So, unfortunately, like, you had heroes there to do stand passes. So. Yeah, and, and I think that's, I had those heroes still standing pretty much because I was able to use magic. Neutralize your better heroes. King's Champion fight six and three attacks. He's just going to churn through me. But, um, but because I can stop him and I, I can let Gothmog and Kardosh do, do their thing. So I'm fire blasting the odd warrior here, there and everywhere. And Witch Kings are mobilizing people and then failing to kill stuff. <laughs> but, but hey, you know, the, it worked out because, as you say, although I, I slowly lost the grind fest that was dwarves against Moranans, um, I managed just to squeeze off four guys in the end, which made, made sure that I had that, that seven point for the, the victory. And, and you never really got a chance to wound the Witch King. I think you, you wounded the Fell Beast once, yeah, and, uh, yeah. which... I suppose if if you'd have got uh, if you'd tried to go for the man on top, you'd have got, you needed another six or something like that yeah. to get it. But um, yeah, in in the long run, do you, do you, I mean, do you think that you were thinking that it was going to go this way always because you you know you've got recon against a there fast moving moment, army? Obviously, when I started moving, so basically the the point of why I distributed the king uh, dwarf kings warband on the right mm-hmm. was hoping because I saw a lot of you guys were got on the left. Obviously, you have a lot more movement, so you could come across the board but I thought I was going to heroic march twice mm-hmm. obviously then I had to spend a mic to come onto the board yeah. and then I'd done that heroic move hoping to get another five inches up couldn't even kill yeah. so 
And that's where the audio cuts off. Um, it's pretty fair to say, though, that the, the dwarves in Recon had a pretty unlucky and lucky time. Um, I feel I did play that game well, uh, to be fair, uh, to round it off to three and three uh, wins and losses. But um, to be fair, the, the, the dwarves the dwarves really struggled um, with, with a bad, bad uh, look at the start and coming on very late and just me pushing the, the lines further towards his board edge than possible. I think it ended up as either a 12-0 or pretty, very, uh, pretty close in the end. Uh, I don't know what happened to the end of that interview but anyway um so there you go that's the desolation of stockport um i'm afraid jay uh, jay claire won the the tournament so sadly no interview uh, with the winner this time um so jay claire is heading to articon masters uh, if articon happens um which uh, i'll move on to in a second but a cracking tournament as ever i really enjoyed uh, the element games is just such a great place to um, great place to play toy soldiers and um there was lots of lots of great players there and it was a pleasure to play some some new faces as well um but also uh, also actually have a have a dabble in the top uh, top tier of the tournament um, playing against Tom Wagg uh, who's a really good player playing against Ed Ball who's a really good player and I think it was Jace was it Jace or Jay who uh, had the uh, Dunland army I can't remember which way around it was either way the Dunland army I, I went into that game thinking oh I have a really good chance of beating them but um, was just outplayed um, I made a couple of mistakes but I, what, what I've really enjoyed about this tournament was the fact that um, I actually felt like I played my games better than I've ever played games before, um, which is, which is, uh, I suppose, something exciting. Maybe it's because I've used this army before, I, and it's sort of built um, with with sort of a competitive play in mind rather than theme, which um, I'm not used to. I guess usually I design things about theme first and then try and tweak them to make them a bit better, uh, if if at all, if I'm even bothered. But this time the army felt like it was it was working well. I felt like I was using it well because I had a bit more experience with it. And But what let me down were just very simple mistakes in each game. Um, so whether it was against Ed, not realising that uh, he could quarter himself and win the game without me really having a go and uh, it was far too late because he had so few models it was far too late for me to realise um, uh, that issue uh, or even start thinking about the scenario because I was thinking about uh, uh, nothing but killing stuff I guess and thinking oh right I've got a chance to win here uh, and then realised far too late oh he's killing himself and he's got the lead so felt very uh, very stupid then and and the same was true of the heroic combat that I messed up with the Dunland I think we talked about that. Um, I, I left Cardush exposed, and all it would have taken was one model uh, between um, Cardush and uh, I think it's Gorul for Gorul for whatever his name is, the uh, the beastie new Forge World Dunland hero. Um, and I would have won that game definitely because uh, I had I had the upper hand in almost everything there except that heroic combat. If he'd have uh, he'd have survived that one turn, um, Cardish would have done the killing of the assassinating. Uh, would have Witch King would have pounced on the Gorol fella, and it would have all been fine. Um, but or even uh, later on, I think I had chances to to even uh, get a draw out. But either way, that was it was a stupid mistake. Um, and, and some of the some of the uh, the other loss uh, against Tom. Wag again. Um, I felt like I, I made a stupid mistake only by sending Gothmog in 
um, when I shouldn't have done. Um, if I'd have sent the army in, I think I'd have had a much better chance of of surviving and, and holding back the 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 tide of Rohan. I think my strategy was relatively sound, but um, uh, the one that I picked up from Ed earlier, but obviously hadn't hadn't thought more carefully about. So either way, and um, the losses I had, I didn't feel like I I did played the games particularly badly, but it was those few mistakes uh, that that really really let me down. So I mean, not to say that I would have come close to winning anyway, because I'd have been up against much better players. Um, and I'd already been up against some really tough competitors. So uh, either way, really fascinating tournament, I, I, and it made me think. Actually, maybe I should give a go um, with this this talk, this list again. Maybe not next time, but uh, another time in the future. So with that in mind, um, I'm recording this uh, on the 29th of March. Um, so. I mean, you probably, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, of course, uh, if you're delving back into my hundreds and hundreds of episodes back catalogue in a few years' time, you might be thinking, what on earth is significant about the 29th of March 2020? Well, the 29th of March 2020 is coronavirus lockdown. So this weekend, uh, I would have been playing uh, a tournament in Warsaw, so you'd have hopefully had another episode um, coming on the way in the next few days. Um, of me playing against uh, lots of people in uh, Walsall with hopefully a Mordor Urukai army. But sadly, uh, that's not happened because of coronavirus lockdown. Now, uh, this is something that's happening across the world. um, And obviously you're probably, if you're listening to this very soon after, you're probably still in lockdown. Um, Hopefully it is only very soon and not for months and months. Uh, it's, It's a really sad situation because... I absolutely love going to tournaments um, I absolutely love meeting all the people that I regularly encounter at tournaments and the people who I meet for the first time at tournaments playing games um, and Toy Soldiers is is one of if not one of my favourite things It's it gets me away from um, from work in particular, it gives me something else to focus on which is just fantastic and, and you know socialising and so on with groups of people and uh, I'm a bit of a social butterfly so I love that um, but that's not going to happen for a while I don't know how long um, fingers crossed that you know it's the summer uh, and we get back into tournaments and they happen again fingers crossed I don't know and I don't think anyone knows at this point in time so uh, so there won't be a, an Moot podcast in the same format certainly for a while I, I I wanted to. I'm trying to think of ways that I can do something similar without um, without breaking the rules of social lockdown and distancing and all this sort of stuff. Um, which again, if if you listen to this months ago, uh, months in in the future, it might or years in the future, it might sound really weird. It, it would also sound really weird if you think about it. If we were listening to this a few months ago, imagine a few months ago if I said I can't go to a tournament because of social distancing. You wouldn't have a clue what I'm talking about. But anyway, uh, I'm trying to think of ways that I could do um, do the podcast. I'm struggling if I'm honest. Uh, I can do chats online with other people um, talking about stuff, um, which is probably more likely to come through the Green Dragon, if I'm honest. Um, uh, that's more It more fits that with that. I like to keep the Entmoot podcast as the tournament podcast. So um, I, I might try and work out a way of doing it. But I think it's unlikely. Um, I am doing other stuff on my YouTube channel, uh, Battle Games in Middle Earth, if you've never checked it out. There are going to be a few videos on there uh, over the next few weeks and months, hopefully, if, depending on how long it is. I'm gonna, I've got a big project that I'm working on, which is great. Um, sadly, the f- sequel uh, follow-up to the uh, interview with Rick Priestley had to be cancelled. I won't reveal who... Uh, I was going to be talking to, but because it's going to be uh, going to happen, and um, I've I've had reassurance from from the guests 
guessed uh, that um, that it will happen, but uh, just not right now with with all this happening, which is totally fine. But uh, I completely understand. Uh, it happened slightly before the lockdown, and perhaps I should have uh, should have done it. But uh, there's definitely no chance of doing it now. But either way, there will be a sequel interview with uh, some uh, basically uh, someone significant in the early start of the game. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, that'll come in on the YouTube channel in a few months, probably. Uh, and also we've got other things. I bet I'm, I'm 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 trying to trying to find ways to do the hobby lockdown, create content for you because I know uh, there's nothing worse than being stuck at home, working at home, or even you know I know people who have lost their jobs because of all of this, um, or certainly lost a lot of income. It's it's a horrible horrible time, uh, not just for you know the the health reasons. Um, you know, uh, quite beside that, you know, no, nobody wants to hear the numbers of people dying um, from something like this um, slowly increasing. That sucks. Um, it's horrible, but that's that's uh, yeah. I guess selfishly, that's that's you know not the only thing that we're all worried about, really, is it? There's economy and there's there's jobs and there's there's all sorts of other issues that uh, that are going to be affected by this for a fair length of time. Um, I'm lucky in quotes that I'm I'm still working, uh, although my work has drastically changed because of it. But hey, uh, look, let's let's not dwell on the, the negatives because there's going to be loads of content and I, there's going to be lots of time to do hobbying, which is fantastic. Um, I'm sure you're sitting here uh, listening to this while painting or maybe uh, going on your daily exercise or something like that. And I hope that we can uh, continue providing content in that way for. Uh, just to keep this hobby hobby alive, really. So I'm going to be painting. I'm going to be doing videos. I'm going to be doing as much as I can uh, to to keep this hobby alive uh, while while we're stuck in our own homes, not being able to actually meet people and roll dice. So um, sorry if that's a bit of a downer for the end of the podcast because I absolutely love this podcast and I hope it makes me people smile. But um, yeah, there won't be a, uh, won't be necessarily lots of these for a while. So um, if you have any ideas for ways that I could do uh, an Entmoot of sorts from a distance, then please do let me know. I know some people in my local area are, are talking about the simulator online. It's not the same. I don't, I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I, it just it, Well, I, may, I could maybe dabble, dabble, but it's just not the same, is it, playing, uh, playing something online, where really what we love about this hobby is meeting people in person, painting and, and holding the figures and, and moving them around, rolling dice and, you know, shaking hands and th- simple things like that. So anyway, uh, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hope you enjoyed following my my uh, the dizzying heights that I've briefly reached. Um, there will be a podcast very soon, I promise you. Um, but very soon could be uh, a bit longer than usual. That's all. In the meantime, thank you very much uh, for listening to another episode of Entmoot. Don't forget to wash your hands. Boo rah rum.